Welcome to the People Analytics and Future of Work podcast with Al Adamson. Hi, I'm Al Adamson, and I am extraordinarily excited to be here with Stacia Gar of Red Thread Research. Stacia, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Al. How are you today? I'm doing outstanding, and I'm also thrilled to use a word that you just used recently to launch this People Analytics technology survey and study. So if you would, can you introduce yourself and maybe a little bit about the study as well? Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm Stacia Gar. I am the co-founder and principal analyst of Red Thread Research. We're a human capital research and advisory firm, and we are excited to be partnering with Al and his team, both on the PAFAL side and the Insight 222 side on this new research. It's a big study of the people analytics technology vendor space and what we're really trying to understand is how should we be thinking about this space, the different, we know that there's a lot of different players in there, how should we be categorizing them, and things like how fast is the market growing, how big is the market, what are the vendors thinking about, what do they care about, and then a lot of things that really matter to practitioners, so things like how difficult are implementations, what are some of the challenges with data and integration of data, and how do different vendors help them do those things. So it's a big study that we're doing, and we're just kicked off the survey today, and once we get those results, we're going to do briefings, we're going to do interviews, and it's all going to come out this fall, so super excited. Yeah, again, thanks for taking this on because it is not a small piece of work, as you alluded to. And before we get into more details about the people analytics space and, and how technologies are now supporting that space, can you go a little bit more into your background and, and why you have chosen, along with Danny Johnson, to do what I would call the hard work? Because <laughs> it's one thing to look at a bunch of websites and say, okay, there's a bunch of vendors, but there's another thing to go truly deeper and to understand the marketplace. And you've been doing this for a long time, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So Danny and I started Red Thread uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago. And before that, she and I were both analysts at Burson by Deloitte. So I led the talent management research there for eight years and then also was a big part of kind of the management of the research team. And Danny led the learning and careers research there at Burson for a while. And then before I was at Burson, I was with CEB Gartner and I was there for almost five years. So long time in the space. And when I think about what you call the hard work, I, I think of it generally as kind of the fun work. And the reason that is, is because as I think about kind of what gets me going in the, in the morning, I love this idea of looking at the world and thinking about, you know, why, what makes it tick? What makes the world, what makes what we see out there actually happen as it does? And, and what may we be able to think about that's a bit different? And so it's a really fun thing in my world, to be able to come up with hypotheses on things that we think matter, to go out and test them, whether it's you know through surveys, through interviews, um, you know looking at websites, doing better briefings, but really kind of understanding what's happening out there, and then having that amazing moment where you know you know something that nobody else does, but you have an opportunity to go share it and help make other people's world and their work better. Um, I really think it is a, a call and an opportunity to make people's work lives better. And by doing that, we have a positive impact on the world. So that's why we do it. Well, and you do it really well. And uh, you've been inspiring and educating me personally for years. And I'm thrilled to be partnering with you now. So it's you know truly needed. And when we talk about it. Um, you know, obviously, we're talking about this idea of people analytics technologies, and it begs the question right out of the gate, you know, what is that? And you and I have talked leading up to this study, but, you know, over the years, because we go back in time, 
arguably it was a BI tool like a mm -hmm. Cognos or a Hyperion or, or something like that. And then there became specialty tools in the space. And then meanwhile, we have survey providers out there and they're doing research on the data sets that they're creating. And also there's a variety of other now tools that are aggregating data that is outside the organization yet sheds light on what's happening in, in the talent market. And much of this work has been going on for a long time, but it didn't have kind of this overarching moniker of people analytics, and, and now it does. So if you would just you know, share a little bit about how you view the space and these categories that you're mentioning. Yeah, so I think that all of them are, they are all people analytics technologies. I mean, they, you know, it's, I, not just marketing and, and all the rest of that. They, they certainly are because they're looking at what's happening with people and, and trying to understand them. But it's, it really comes down to the level at which those technologies are, are trying to go and what they're trying to enable people to do. You know, so it, it could be about, you know, are we, is it, is the technology primarily designed to, to collect information or is it designed to, um, to just share information? So there's some technologies out there where it really is just about, um, communicating to others. This is, this is what we see. Others we see are really trying to dive deep into and, and enable a particular person, often the people analytics practitioner, to um, to explore or to experiment. Um, and and that is you know that is a very different tool than those that are just designed to share. I think the problem right now is is because we have a single moniker on the top, it's hard for people to say, well, what does a Vizier do that's different than a one model? Um, because some of those aspects might be the same, but some are different. And so we're trying to come up with a way, really looking from the people analytics practitioner's perspective of what are they trying to do and what is the value they're trying to deliver to their organizations, and then framing what we see these different vendors doing in that light. Got it. Now, you mentioned the people analytics practitioner. You're also very attuned you know, to your introduction of what's happening in the learning space, the performance space, and, and just general talent space. And if someone's listening to us talk right now, they're probably saying, well, you know, I've implemented Workday, you know, we have the latest version of success factors, you know, everyone has an analytics proposition out there, yet there's some worthwhile distinctions to be made in terms of what these longstanding talent management vendors provide versus what these specialized vendors provide. Can, can you speak to that a little bit, you know, how you view the differences? Yeah, so I think when I when I think about what the people analytics vendors are trying to provide vis-a-vis -vis a talent management system provider, for instance, um, you know, a lot of what what the talent management system providers are trying to do is, is really kind of to, to keep track of, of specific interactions or, or to give a way for um, employees to access basic information. So in some ways, I think about it as kind of, um, you know, either a system of resources or sometimes in some instances, a system of, of relationships. Um, but what a lot of the people analytics technologies are trying to do is to go beyond, um, I would say that high level peripheral uh, set of anal analytic or analysis. Um, so beyond the dashboards and, and not that there's certainly a place for these things, for dashboards, for um, high level insights, all, all the rest of that, that's important. Um, but a lot of the, the vendors and some of the more specialized ones that have come into the market in the last three, five, seven years even, um, they are really trying to help us unearth some of the things that are key to making us 
uh, successful as workers in in our organizations, and and that isn't going to be done through kind of the high level that we see in some of these other systems. Who's you know quite frankly their their purpose is just different, and so I think that's why. But it's hard because there's a difference between dashboards and high level and these other insight these other tools that allow you to really dig into insights and like I said earlier to explore and to experiment and to run some of the experiments from a data perspective, truly uh, experiments uh, the regressions and and the more sophisticated analysis. Analyses, um, you know, they're there to help us answer those real deep questions about who we are, what we do, and what makes us successful. So that's how I see the distinction. Yeah, I'm going to ask you shamelessly a leading question <laughs> because I have uh, you know my perspective on it. But it's historically organizations have spent a lot of money on these core HR systems, and they, you know, after two, three years' time, they're asking, well you know, what did I get back? You know, where's my insight? Uh, And there's been this thinking that, okay, if I'm spending all this money, then the insights are just going to come. And you and I have discussed that it's, it's an end at the end of the day, that we have to think with the end in mind and select our technologies appropriately. In other words, the transactional systems are not going to do magic. They're not going to do analytics that they weren't built to do. There are tools that are specific to generate that insight. So again, shameless leading question, but can, can you speak to that? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that I hear we bought this system. So I'm not going to pick on any one vendor, but <laughs> we bought a Workday, we bought an SAP, we bought an Oracle, we bought an HRIS. And our head of HR was sold on the idea that we would get all of our data into one place and that that would be enough and, and we'd be able to do what we, what we need to do. So why do I need to buy one of these other systems? And it's exactly to your point, Al, that those systems were not built to um, look at the data in the same way. A big part of it is how they even just store the data um, because it, mm-hmm. it's much more kind of transactional data. So a transaction that happened here, it happened here, it happened here, but it doesn't have um, really that longitudinal sense so that you can actually see changes in, in the related insights uh, within the data set. So um, yes, a lot of the data would be in that system, but the system is often not fundamentally designed to do the type of and to store the data in the way that is necessary. Um, But that's point one. And then then point two is that um, there are just far more sophisticated modeling tools and, and other data that you want to bring into these systems because those those are transactional systems. They don't necessarily hold even things like your engagement data or your recognition data. Sometimes they will, but often they don't. But then even more relevant data. So data from your customer relationship management system or data from your finance system or data, you know, there's the list could go on. And particularly as we increasingly talk about data exhaust that could come off of emails or meetings or whatever. Um, so I don't think there's ever going to be a single system that can really hold it all. We're going to have to ha- look at it in a system that's designed to look at data from a range of sources in a way that makes sense for and, and structures the data in a way that makes sense to do that analysis. Absolutely. And, you know, as you're sharing this, you talk about these transactional systems where the analytics vendors have evolved over the last several years in particular is they've become more process oriented. They've gotten more uh, active at collecting, in some cases, creating data themselves. So the line between a 
HR system meant to improve or stand up a process and an analytics vendor who also has the ability to create a process or, or establish a process is, is now blurred. There, there's, there's overlap. So is that what you're seeing as well? And you know, again, if, if that's the case, you know, how do you believe that should inform technology selection? Yeah, I think it definitely is the case. You know, one of the things that we at Red Thread have started to do different than, you know, I've kind of done in previous lives and, and seen other analyst firms is um, we are looking at vendors as offering um, a range of, of capabilities. Um, but I don't think it's fair to stick anybody in one camp like we used to. We used to say, okay, this is a vendor that only does employee engagement and we put them on a pretty map we say this is where they are, right? And and like heaven help us if they also were a performance management. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, it messes it up the chart. It messes up, it messes up my chart. You can't, yeah. you can't do that. We don't let you. Yeah. Um, so no, we, I mean, so we've actually shifted so that we have you know now. Um, I keep making a circle because that's what it is. It's a circular map where we can enable you to say, okay, I'm looking at this vendor and here are the different things that they can do. And um, in this survey that we launched today, it's designed to allow us to talk about the relative strengths of the vendors, recognizing that not everybody is great at, every, at all things. Nobody can be, but some vendors are gonna be a little bit better at some other things but they might offer um, a different tool or a different capability at a lower level of um, strength, if you will. And that could be good or okay for a specific buyer. Um, so then what you do is, is you have this understanding of what the relative strengths and capabilities are. And then as a buyer, you say, okay, what is it that we actually need? Um, because for instance, if you have a larger team, you may not need depending on their, that team's capability, you may not need this sophisticated analysis, but you may need something else. You might need more of a strength and visualization just to fix something. And so what you need to do is, is look at what does, the, what does the technology offer? What is our team good at and what can we do? And then looking forward, um, what do we need to augment? So in moving forward, you may not be able to grow headcount uh, of your team. So you may need a, a tool that does something that enables your team to do something else. So I think it's a combination of looking at that strategy, your team, and then the tech today. Yeah, no, I, I like it. And, you know, just to toggle a little bit, but it picks up on your point about, you know, identifying what you need and knowing what you need. And there's a lot of talk about employee experience design and, and culture. And the vendors arguably have had a disproportionately strong voice in the marketplace in terms of what is right or what is best. You know, here's our leading practice. Here, here's, you know, if so-and-so uses it and, and that they're doing great or, you know, whatever the narrative, you know, might be. And given that we're in this place where, you know, we have the SaaS as the norm now, and by definition, that means there's a, a technology that many can use in its static form. And again, there's nuances that make it, you know, dynamic to some extent. What I'm getting at is this. Do you believe enterprises, uh, whether it be a people analytics leader or someone who's leading employee experience, culture, or even the CHRO, or a governance body that's overseeing the culture of the organization, can and should they be developing a more coherent narrative, a, a heightened level of clarity of what they want to achieve, than going out and selecting the vendors that will enable that experience, for example, okay. as opposed to just going with, you know, what's easy, what's right in front of them. What are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah. So in, in all the years I've done research, one of the areas that has been the most impactful in terms of outcomes has been an organization that has a very clear talent strategy. And so that is, um, from my perspective, as I define that, that is having a clear sense of what your business strategy is, what the business objectives are that are necessary to get there, um, meaning what do we need to have happen uh, to hit that strategy? And then what are the people outcomes that we need to get there? So if, you're, if your business objective is to, to get your strategy, is that we're going to have to innovate you know, 20% more products this year than we did last year. Well, the people, there are people implications of, of doing that, right? And so, you, so having a clear sense of what the people implications are from, from certain your things like hiring and training and all, but also then, um, to your point, culture. What, what type of culture do we need around here to encourage those types of behavior? And then after you got that vision, that's when you go and look for software. Yeah. Uh, if you bring in software, I think at any point earlier than that, you're you're kind of missing um, a huge opportunity to drive towards a cohesive strategy that will actually influence business results. But if you know the challenge that I see for a lot of folks is that they they focus first on the HR efficiency metric and they say, oh well, just by implementing this thing, I'm going to increase our HR efficiency on this task by you know two headcount a year, two FTEs. That's wonderful. In the short term, yes, that's wonderful. But you are missing a huge opportunity to maybe be influencing the overall business by, I don't know, 200 employee yeah. salary. And so I, I understand why sometimes people will run after the short term ROI um, because they need a quick win and all the rest of that. But um, the opportunity, particularly when it comes to software selection, to really drive scalable change across the business is huge. And so I would suggest making sure that you have that clarity on where you're going before you make that selection. Absolutely love it. <laughs> I yes. just wish the, like you, I wish more uh, leaders uh, adopted that approach. And you know, at HR Tech, which you participated in last year, I recall, I believe it was McKinsey, Mercer, Josh Burson spoke to this about the need for new management models, not only at uh, you know executive business level, but around HR and talent management and, and, and culture. And so, what I hear you saying is, you know, if we have a more cross-functional view of the business, you know, employee experience, for example, candidate experience, then we can design those experience with technologies as a support of that, not the driver of that, but uh, a support of that. Is that a fair way to? summarize what you were thinking? Yeah, I think I think that is a, a fair way to summarize it. Um, you know, one thing I want to underscore is that nature of um, not being siloed in our in our approaches. It's easy, particularly given the way that his HR has historically been structured to think about, well, just talent management or just learning or, or whatever it is. But um, I think that's kind of like thinking about, well, I'm just going to think about my, my, my ring finger, right? Or I'm just going to think about my one other finger and not think about how the whole body works together because, you know, it's easier just to focus on a, on a single finger. Um, it, I think it's the same, same with that, with organizations. And, you know, when I've looked at um, talent management, when I was at, at Burson, we did a big integrated talent management study and we did one survey where we looked at all the practices, which was uh, that was a, a beast to do, but um, the thing that mattered the most, uh, two things actually. One was diversity and inclusion, which you know is 
near and dear to my heart. And part of the reason is because of that research. Um, and, and that needs to be integrated throughout. But the second thing was that integration of all these practices. So an organization that had a clear integrated strategy and understood how these different elements work together were much more likely to overperform. That integration for me is just critical to everything we do. Yeah, and uh, yeah, thank you for emphasizing that. And you mentioned DNI, and I was actually going to ask you a, a question on that because that is a perfect uh, theme by which uh, needs an integrated approach. Because how you recruit it affects how you know onboard affects how you facilitate internal mobility, uh, compensate, communicate, all that affects your diversity, inclusion, and belonging outcomes, if you will. Uh, can you, you know, speak to the need for that you know, integration? And if you have a, a narrative around that, we'd love to hear it. Yeah. So as I mentioned, when we did that research, that, that point around integration of diversity and inclusion with all the other talent practices was, was the most influential element in, in driving maturity of an, of an organization. And maturity is connected to business outcomes and talent outcomes and all, all the good things we care about. One of the things that, that I've been observing is, um, you know, we did that research. I think it was 2015. 20, yeah, 2015 is when that came out. Um, and so looking across the last three or four years is I think there is, an, is a heightened awareness around that. Um, and therefore, we did this big diversity inclusion technology report. And so we're now seeing it actually spill over into the technology side of things. And, and many of our people analytics vendors have a, a um, diversity and inclusion offering now, a, a feature um, that and, and some of them are actually just diversity and inclusion analytics companies. Um, which we wouldn't have seen when that research first came out. Um, but, but the reason that I mentioned that is because I think it underscores that people now know and are willing to accept that we need the diversity and the inclusion, uh, but they want to understand it. They want to understand it cohesively and not just from a EEOC, you know, reporting level, but back to what we were talking about at the beginning, like what is it, what are the factors that actually influence diversity and inclusion before we get to a representation? So is it is it the number of mentors that we have in an organization? Is it, you know, the the parental leave support we give? I mean, there's all sorts of factors that for different populations that can make a difference. Um, but people are now seeing that we need to look at that holistically in the context of the analytics. Well, let's go through a quick scenario here, and we probably have uh, you know eight or nine minutes left. And you know, so if I'm listening, I'm a HR leader, I'm a people analytics leader, I'm an HR business partner, I'm someone who is influencing or the ultimate decision maker in formulating or or executing our talent strategy. And what I'm hearing to this point is employee experience is important. Understanding what you want and need that will then inform the data that you wants to generate the insight to improve a particular process or DNI in this example, um, that will in turn inform the technologies that I select. Um, it won't be just one technology, it'll probably be an array of technologies. So at the end of this, it begs the question for me on behalf of those listening, you know, what are these categories that we talk about? And I will push this because we've been in discussions on this for a while, that there's no, you know, absolute, you mentioned the, the wheel, but what are some of these categories? How can we start educating others to think about this in, in a more cohesive way? Because what a survey vendor is, is not what 
a you know, data aggregator and someone who cleanses data and then pushes out to a wide population. Sometimes they can do one and the same, but it's more rare. So you know, how, do, how are you personally looking at these categories? It's a, it's a great question. And, and when we get the results back from the survey, I think I'll have a, a more refined answer for you. Um, but, but the way that we're looking at them now, like I said, is, is from the people analytics perspective. So the, so the question is, you know, what are you trying to do? So the, the first category we're looking at in general is, are you trying to collect? So are you just, are you trying to gather data? Um, the, the second one that we're looking at is, are you trying to, to uh, share data? So are you trying to make it widely accessible? And that would include things like dashboards, because dashboards, I think, are, are much more sharing tools as opposed to analysis. Absolutely. The third one we're looking at is um, we're calling it explore and experiment. Um, and we do use I mean the word experiment truly is kind of a, a scientific method. But, um, you know, exploring what's happening within the data, um, experimenting in terms of things like uh, the statistical models that you're using. So regressions and structural equation models and all, all the good things that us data data people love. <laughs> so, so that's a kind of another component of it. Another one is, um, are you trying to augment what, what you're doing today? So, you know, there's all this talk about AI and what's, what's natural language processing and, you know, all these different technologies. But, but fundamentally, what these things are trying to do, we think, is augment people's ability to make decisions more quickly. And so are you trying to augment um, your team and its capabilities? Then finally, um, you know, understanding how it is that uh, the information can kind of be shared and with whom. I mentioned shared earlier, but I think it, that it's kind of a, a question of um, who gets what information, what do they know about what's being collected on them, and how do you communicate around that? And we talked about the idea that moving forward, the value proposition is not only residing with the organization and its leaders, whether it be HR or, or business leaders, it's also going down to managers and the employees, the workers themselves. Is that what you're saying too? Absolutely. And I think that's where one of the big confusions has been with the market is um, who is the actual user and buy well, who's the user? We generally know who the buyer is, but who's the user of these technologies? And it is increasingly shifting from a people analytics power user to sometimes HR business partners, sometimes to managers, and then down to employees. You know, as we start to wrap here, and we have gone back and forth, and I know you're passionate about it, I'm passionate about this notion of ethics. And ensuring a level of confidence that the data is being held responsibly. It's going to be analyzed with virtuous purposes in mind. Uh, you know, what, what are your, what's your thinking on that? I think it is the topic that not enough people are focused on. Yeah. Um, you know, when we launched the survey, the survey, the vendor survey has an ethics section in it. You know, we make clear to folks, we, we know that you're legally compliant. We, we expect that. But what are you doing beyond this? And so we asked some questions around, you know, did you in any way purposely design your solution to be aware of the potentially negative ethical implications of what could be done? Or how did, how did you think about things? What unit of measurement do you report? Um, so, so some things to try to get, a, get an understanding. Um, in my conversations, I've talked to a lot of vendors. Um, I think that people aren't sure what to do here. Um, you know, I was with, I think I shared with you earlier, I was with one vendor and they put something up that for me was set off some ethical alarm bells. And I said, well, 
how are you thinking about the ethics on this? How are you advising your customers? And they, they didn't really have an answer, which, which troubled me because um, I think that we have huge trust in our organizations today. You look at Edelman's trust barometer, it's still really high. It's highest for organizations, uh, higher than anything else um, for, for the companies we work for. And so I think we need to be very thoughtful about it, particularly vendors, but also beautiful analytics practitioners. These are not numbers. These are people. And we need to be thinking about what should be done in, an, in a responsible way. You know, the way I always think about it, the test I use for, for my own work, my interviews, my data analysis, et cetera, is if this person knew what I was doing with this data, would they be okay with it? Yeah. And if it. the answer is ever no, so I'd it. love to see our vendors think about that. Well, Stacia, thanks for everything that you do. You and Danny are rock stars. Thanks to you for doing the fun slash hard work <laughs> <laughs> on behalf of our community and you know, me personally. And I appreciate the partnership. And yeah, look forward to what lies ahead and see you in London in London, yes. weeks from today. I know. So, amazing. Yeah. And then we got the results coming in the fall. Yeah. Yep, we do. We'll be sharing some uh, initial results. Whatever we have at that point, we'll we'll pull up and share. And then um, we'll be looking to kind of finalize the survey after that and get um, start on interviews and briefings. So I just want to make sure to say thank you to you, Al, and to your broader team. We appreciate the partnership very much and are looking forward to a wonderful year. Thanks, Aisha. Super appreciate you. Well, take care and uh, we'll see you soon. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Take care. All right. Bye. Thanks for joining the People Analytics and Future of Work podcast with Al Adamson. To find other podcasts, videos, upcoming events, and to join the Global People Analytics Network, please visit us at globalpeopleanalytics.net.